COVID-19. It's changed our industry forever. How are we adapting? What will happen next? Is this 2008 all over again? My boys, Jesse Ray Dow, Jackson Ray Wilkie, give us some keen insight here from a live studio recording. They are the Real Agent Now group, hitting heavy on channels like YouTube, Facebook, anything else you could almost search real estate living in Portland. Great, great, great insight here. My name is Addy Nett, and this is MLO. Enjoy the show. And we're live, live here in Portland, Oregon. We're talking about Spodies and all sorts of good things. Um, we are live. We are the Real Agent Now Groom. My name is Jackson Wilkie. Jesse Dow. Addy Nett. Addy Nett. Um, we are your eyes, ears, everything. This is a live Q&A. So when you join us, make sure you ask us any questions that you have about Portland, about the coronavirus, about interest rates, about literally any neighborhood, whatever you want to know about the Portland Metro. And if you are wanting to know and you're not one of our subscribers, make sure you tap that subscribe button and click the little bell so you're notified every time we do a new video and when we go live. So uh, we talked about this a little bit, guys, just kind of like keeping everybody up to date on what's going on in the Portland Metro with you know the coronavirus. We're not shut down yet. We don't know if we will be or not, but right now, housing market is not shut down. Um, the only thing really shut down, like in my world, is is schools and stuff. But Jesse, we'll start with you with uh, the housing market. What have you been seeing out there? Yeah, the housing market uh, it's still really strong and uh, still getting multiple offers. You know, we've had some uh, you know buyers that were in contract uh, pre-corona have a terminated contract just because they're unsure of like their jobs and you know it's throughout of the situation. Um, I watched. Uh, I had a market watch on the uh, back on the market houses this week. And uh, today was the first time I ever saw like a massive influx in houses uh, come back on the market. So that means that they were under contract. The buyer terminated for some reason or another. And now the house is back on the market. So last weekend, it was absolutely bonkers with like open houses and showings. And, you know, the, uh, the RMLS reports of lockbox triggers are still showing growth. This will be the true indicator weekend after we've been in this now for a solid week of like, you know, people talking about quarantines, shortage of foods, you know, California's on lockdown now or they're, they're grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend. You know, interest rates this week were up and down kind of crazy like, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Let's um, and that's kind of, I think what everybody's wondering about is the stock market. Um, you know, what's going on with the stock market, with the interest rates we've seen, you've seen literally some of the most record jumps. Let's touch on some of these jumps and what it means. Yeah, man. And you guys know, we all work together here. It's been a grinding couple of weeks, a lot of ups and downs and very uncharted waters. So yesterday they were saying out there in one of the uh, mortgage groups that I'm a part of online that unanimously yesterday was the most volatile day in mortgage history. Um, since they've been tracking rates. since they've been tracking rates. So just to kind of give everyone up to speed two weeks ago, um, we were seeing fantastic <laughs> interest rates. So some, most people walking in, in the low threes and, and very, very happy with that. And they slowly crept up into the fours then by the end of the week. And, um, then the feds announced the zero slash. <laughs> 
What does that no, mean, man? Does that mean zero slash? That, yeah. that was a uh, fake news. The fake news. Well, I mean, they did slash their rates down yeah, exactly. to zero, but yeah. not the mortgage interest rates. So usually and traditionally, they do fall suit. However, it's not like take one step and the next step follows. So there is a course. Um, Monday was a very positive move. So we got a lot of the gains back from the losses the week prior. And then it became really volatile the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really rough things moving around a quarter to a half percent in rate. Um, even at some points, pulling some rate sheets on the five percents, which is really, really challenging to build a strategy around for our clients. And, um, you know, that this is affecting monthly payments by anywhere from 75 on the low to upwards to $300 a month. So we're in a market right now where you need to be working with a quality loan officer. Yeah, I want to transition to that too because, you know, people obviously, if you're watching live, please literally any question you have about the Portland Metro, um, neighborhoods, interest loan or interest rates, coronavirus, whatever, we'll answer those. But these are the conversations that, you know, we're having every day, especially Addison. Um, these swings, you know, and, and waiting for that perfect interest rate. Um, are you seeing that really affect some people trying to wait for that perfect one? Yeah, particularly in uh, the refinance sector of it all. You're seeing people who quote, I don't know how many times I've heard that there's additional meat on the bone. Right. Um, and those are challenging conversations for me to navigate through as an advisor who's here to um, advise on getting you the best terms possible with the market conditions and few tough conversations in the mid threes and people thought they would go down and they wouldn't. So, you know, you got to ride the, the ups and down together, but historically looking at it, if you pull up the historical interest rate chart, I mean, you're going to see a range from like, even our parents had 17% mortgage interest rates. Mm -hmm. So when you're sitting at three and a half, which is an amazing historically low interest rate, I'm a loan officer. I have 3.625. Yeah. I grinded for that last year. So three and a half is not good enough. So at a certain point, like people also just need to take what they can get and dilute the risk. But now we're up higher and I'm rambling. So sorry, I can go. Jesse's looking at me. He's like, oh, he's going on his rate. Tangent. Nope. No, <laughs> no, no. Like for, you know, like I've heard people talk about like, you know, I've heard historical low rates for the last like two years. It's and, an overused term. Yeah. It's and, an overused term. And for me, it's like what, like what does historical low mean, especially if you're say 18 years old and in 2010, the rates were four and a quarter, like in the rate. So to certain buyers, it's not, it's in their history of buying, it's not historically low. So, you know, I like to just tell people what the rates are and where they have been in the past history and just say, Hey, this is like, you know, this is the way it's been for the last decade or so, because, you know, as we know, some people are sitting and they wanted to float down and say they're, you know, at three and a quarter, three, five, two weeks ago, or even in the twos, and then today they're at five. Guess what? This actually has actually prevented people from closing on their house. That's and the scary part. Exactly. So that's really where it comes into being when people start getting greedy. And I don't even really call it greedy. Some people actually just say that they're going to roll the dice and, and see what happens. The thing is, is Addison has alert set. He's in the he's up every morning at you know five a.m. watching the opening bell. He's you know he's got a twenty minute like head start on like what the rates are going to do. So. You know, just know that we have your best interest. And if Addison's telling us, hey, man, if we have anyone out there that's like, you know, floating their rate, you know, they need to lock in now because, you know, thankfully for us, we had Addison here. 
if you don't have Addison and someone else isn't paying attention, you know, nothing is worse than going to close on your loan and you get a rate quote for say your mortgage is going to be say $2,000 a month that, you know, and you got that rate quote at 3%, but now you're locked in at five the day of closing and your mortgage is now say it went from 2000 to 2,600 because of a two point swing. Yeah, I mean, that's a reality. That's a realistic situation. That's very I know if I was a borrower, I'd be pissed off. Yeah. yeah. Be really frustrated. And I think transitioning from now to the bigger picture, because the biggest question I'm getting all the time is like, what do you think is going to happen next? Right. And we can't predict. However, from looking over the historical charts, 2008 being a completely different crisis than this. If you look at when the Fed slashed the rates, the mortgage interest rates had a tiny little jump up and then they followed suit more course to the feds. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in that tiny little recorrection phase. Mm -hmm. And everyone asked me, how long is that going to be? Right. And I think that timeline is directly tied to the media and how the nation responds to the current coronavirus. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. We got it. We got a question that popped in here. We're going to get to, um, and again, we, we invite any and all who's listening out there to ask us whatever questions you have about, um, the Portland Metro, literally anything. And this one's kind of directed towards you, Addy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you might have to go through a few of these, but this is good for a lot of people moving here. What preferred first time homebuyer program should I research given what's available to out of state homebuyers, if any? Yeah, I think a good thing to know, um, first-time homebuyer programs are going to vary from state to state. So if you're Googling something in your own state, that program might or might not be here. In Oregon, most of the time, the first-time homebuyer or any down payment assistance programs are going to be tied to household income. So a lot of the programs are referred to as qualifying for 80% area medium income, which is AMI, out in Portland, Oregon for this year. That's a roughly uh, 72,000 household income. So if you're exceeding 72K, you're not going to qualify for a majority of those down payment assistant programs that are out there. However, there are ways to take advantage. Like a first time home buyer does have the ability to go 3% down on a conventional loan. Uh, a second time home buyer does not have that. Um, another kind of thing a lot of people don't know is first-time home buyers defined by ownership of a property within the last three years. So if you owned a home more than three years ago, but you've been renting, you are now a first-time home buyer again. So there are a lot of ways to structure it on the back end with mortgage insurance, rate reductions. And those are things that we go through um, typically in the mortgage strategy call. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I always advise to Jesse and I talk about this, just because it's a down payment assistance program doesn't mean you're getting the terms that you're seeing all over bank rate or the best primo, like nothing's free. It's America, it's all financed in. So mm -hmm. those are things we analyze, whether having the liquid cash or if it's your only option, everyone's got their own journey and in their credit. And uh, I think a lot of people reference back to the first time home buyers program, like thinking back to like 2010 when the coming out of the, uh, you know, market collapse from the financial situation that we were in. So I think a lot of people think there's going to be this amazing benefit for first time home buyers. However, I will say if you're a first time home buyer and have 5% down or you're a second home, second time home buyer and have five to 10% down, you're still going to get amazing benefits that are equal to a first time home buyers program per se. Right. Oh, totally. And I think one of the things I even forget in a lot of our meetings is I'm always structuring it to make it the best terms possible. Yeah. I think there's this perception that lenders 
the way they structure structure it is tied to my salary or however my company pays me, but that's completely false and that's illegal. Um, I want every one of my clients to get the absolute best terms that they possibly can. So I structure it accordingly, taking advantage of those things. Yeah. And uh, so say somebody listening now called in and they were like, Hey, Addison, I want to talk to you about first time homebuyers programs in Portland. Could you give them a, a, you know, obviously it costs nothing to talk to you. How long would it, how long of a conversation should somebody expect to take on the phone with you to understand and what's available? Yeah. I think I, taking out the buffer and the small talk. It's a hard seven, eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so for seven or eight minutes, you could talk to a extremely high qualified professional, tell you exactly what programs are available. What's the best route to go without pulling any credit and having any attachments needed. And I don't pressure anyone. I think these guys love it too, because like, whether it's like your uncle's a loan officer, or you want to use your whatever community person. And like, I'm here for like, I'm a part of the team. I'm part of the experience. Um, and I'm a resource, so no one pressures anyone to have the conversation and yeah, it's good. It's good to explore. And it's really hard too. I need to preface being a licensed loan officer. Like all of these things depend on an application, your credit, yep, the loan product. Like we're not even really supposed to be talking about rates without a million freaking small print things. So I want to make it clear. That's why we push the console so we can uh, accurately speak to your situation. Exactly. And I've been talking a lot about fake news because of everything that's going on. It's kind of driving me crazy. But I will say that when it comes to home loans, a lot of people that contact us have done a lot of research. Then we get on the Zoom call with them. We start talking through things and what they're researching, they're finding out is, you know, not true or not applicable here. So the best thing that I can advise everyone is just to reach out. Let us tell you exactly what the programs are today because programs change all the time as well. Well, and I think to your point too, there's a lot of clickbait out there on the internet trying yeah. to funnel in buyers. So one thing, one example is like there's a particular down payment assistance program that technically here in Oregon, you only need a 620 credit score. That's the guideline. But I know through hundreds of pre-approvals and applications that it rarely works unless you've got a 680 or higher. Mm -hmm. So really they're just throwing in clickbait to get you as a lead and then structure it back. So those are things where we can save a lot of time and I can, we can all just be very transparent with each other, um, reference the guideline and the reality of it working out in our history. Yep. So I got a really good question that we're going to, um, uh, you know, that I'm going to ask you to, but I do want to get to one of our viewers here who, who, uh, reached out with a question. Again, we invite anybody to ask whatever questions you have, literally about neighborhoods, whatever about the Portland Metro, um, and we'll get those answered. And this one's directly to you, Jesse, and it's actually, it sounds like, you know, real estate to real estate agent. Um, And I think it might help, your answer might help to assure or give some of the people thinking about moving, relocating here and buying here. um, Mm -hmm. Just some information, whether it's pros, cons, whatever, but the question comes in from Anthony, you know, how are you guys talking to your clients um, about this current hysteria that's going on. He's had two buyers and a listing, you know, all kind of cancel because of the fear-based reactions. What's your message to these clients? Yeah, my message uh, is the same as it was two years ago, two months ago, two days ago, is that I will always support my buyers and sellers with what their best interest is and in to protect their family. So if I have a client that is, you know, um, you know, skeptical or scared or wants to just hold tight, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to support them 
to do everything that I can to make them feel comfortable because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, man, like this is, this is people's lives in our hands. Like when we're mess- when we're, you know, putting forth contracts and helping people buy and sell real estate, it's most 90% of the time, it's most people's, you know, most valuable assets. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they're comfortable moving forward. And if they tell me that they need to just hold tight and terminate a contract, you know, I'm going to support that. But you know, the best thing that I can do is give them up to date, real information of what mm-hmm. is going on in the market and let them make the decision. If they ask me what I would do, I give them, you know, what my two cents are and how I'm feeling about things going on. So, you know, the best thing I can do is just give them true, honest advice and like, let them, you know, I've, I've actually done a uh, FaceTime with tons of clients showing mm-hmm. them like that they're people still out enjoying the sun and in the parks and, you know, cause when you hear the news and see it, man, you think that we're in freaking lockdown and everything's quarantined and Everyone's walking around in suits, you know, but like, you know, safe suits, clean room suits. But, you know, in Jackson, here's it because his family lives out of state. But the reality is, is everything is still moving here. And I feel, um, you know, the market is still super strong. But like I said earlier, we're going to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. And one thing I will note on all this is that when I talk to my clients like that uh, and let them know that their decision is their decision, I support it 100 percent. I get out in front of that. As soon as this hit, I reached out to everyone and let them know, you know, this is what my stance was on it. And uh, everyone is very thankful and grateful. And then I, I get to hear them be open and honest during right. the whole conver- uh, transaction because the last thing we anyone wants is somebody getting blindsided the last second, you know, which we had on, um, you know, our client uh, was selling their house in another state and they got blindsided at the last second. And uh, there was no indications that anything was happening. And then it domino affected down the pipeline. So, yeah. So this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I think for the past few years, we've been hearing this from everybody that the market's going to crash and that's when everybody's going to be buying, right? So in a way, you know, a lot of people gobbled up houses who could and that's when, and and that's what we've all heard, you know, um, for years is that they're waiting for this market to crash so that they can buy low. Do you feel, um, I guess nationwide, but specifically in Portland, like our housing market, like it could crash and, 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 uh, prices of homes will drastically fall. Um, you know, I, we were talking about this the other day and I've, I've studied the recessions of, uh, all of our, the Portland market through all the recessions and only during the great depression, the market fell 7%. When the housing market collapsed, we we got hit hard at 28, but then almost every other recession after that has been a p- positive growth. The, um, you know, and we have to have you know, so many quarters in a row of negative growth before we're actually in a recession. But I know everyone's been waiting. Uh, the other month that we were negative, it was down like a tenth of a percent. So um, our inventory is really tight and people have more equity in their house than ever before. Um, so I highly doubt that we are going to end up in a, in a position where people have to sell their house or they're going to lose equity. And with um, the way that everything's lining up with inventory rates, you know, how much equity people have in their house. I, I highly doubt that anyone's going to be seeing discounts on houses. The thing I will state though, is that, you know, if people do decide to start slowing down and going out and seeing the multiple offers are going to slow down, you know, so it's going to be less competitive. So if you have been waiting to buy and you are looking for, you know, not overpaying for a house or getting a good value, you know, for your dollar, which I always tell everyone, we price houses to sell in the first week because the longer they sit on the market, everyone says, how long has this house been on the market? So that's why sellers usually try to sell in the first week is because they want to get full price. So we look at statistics. We look at actives pending sold in the neighborhood and very comparable products to see what the true value of the home is. There's also an appraisal. So we make sure that our clients are never buying a house with negative equity. So this is really where it comes to a professional. And like I mentioned earlier too, 
this weekend to me is going to be a tall tale sign to see what's really uh, an indication of what's going on in the marketplace. Well, yeah, and add to your point there, Jesse, you know, I had that question come up with to me three times today. People asking me, what do you think is going to happen with the market? What do you think is in value? I loved what you said before where you got to do what's best for your family and we're going to support that 100% of the way. Um, regarding the long-term value of real estate though, every once in a while we all need to take a break of the perspective we're looking at it. Because a lot of people are looking at like this month, where value is going to go in this month. The strategy of real estate is the long-term game for the majority of primary homeowners. So don't forget you're locking in your overhead for 30 years. Yeah. You are, it is a cost, a fixed cost you will have either way. So take yeah. it or leave it. I think like I was, I was also looking at the uh, average sales price in 1995 or 96 and uh, that's tw like 25 years ago. And uh, it was said that the average home sales price in Portland in that year was like 150 grand. Now mm -hmm. it's 450. So the price has increased, you know, $400,000. The thing that we have to know is they're not making any more land. And if you even look at back up 20 years before that, it was way less expensive. So, I mean, just in continuous growth, like in 20 years, we'll probably be looking at these prices being like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I would have bought 20 houses at that time, but everything's relevant for inflation. Well, and to your point on the prices of homes, look at the comparable cities, North and South. We have Seattle, way more expensive. Yeah. Bay, way more expensive. You think those one, two, three million dollars homes are going to have issues prior to your, you, you know, yeah. three to 500,000? And, and also like, talking about recession talk and whatnot, everyone always goes back. And it's like anyone that I was talking about that may be 18 years old listening is that right. everyone correlates recessions to what happened in 2008, which everyone. was caused by the uh, financial markets that mm -hmm. back, you know, had everyone's mortgage loans in there. So when that collapsed, of course, the thing that's housing everyone's mortgage industries is going to cause the house prices to drop out because all the houses were falsely inflated with prices. Right. And the guidelines weren't in place to prevent people that couldn't afford the home to do so. So this is a totally, that's a really good point because a lot of people are asking, is this what's happening in 2008? And it's a totally different situation, not only with the current state of health in the nation, but also it, it's not a corrupt financial system or a broken financial system. And I keep reminding that, like I'll get financial advisors calling me like, are you seeing underwriting, um, underwriting tighten up here is like the guidelines are the guidelines they're not changing fanny and freddie's guidelines for 2020 have not changed in the last 48 hours so it's just funny just from a perceptional standpoint you know mm -hmm. we yeah. got um we got some more people on just want to encourage you again to, to ask us any questions and then uh real quick if you are watching this after we're live uh we're doing lots of live updates so we're keeping you up to date on what's going on in the portland metroid so you got to make sure you Tap that subscribe button so you know when we go live. Tap it. Um, we're going to be answering any and all questions you have. We don't care what it is about Portland. We'll do that. So make sure you're asking any question. But um, to, to keep things rolling, we'll start with you, Addy. Give us your your um, kind of 10,000-foot view, your 30-second your pitch on what do you really think is going to happen here in the next few weeks, month, like with this coronavirus and so the housing specific market? To, yeah, specific to uh, Oregon, I think this weekend will be a lot of – unveiling of what will happen in the terms of are they going to force people to stay at their homes which will open up an entirely different set of how we're going to operate and keep life going mm -hmm. um i i'm confident that we're going to rebound um for me in my world what i staring at mortgage-backed securities and interest rates and communicating with people that are in contract not in contract refinancing or getting ready i have a little bit of a different perspective on it 
I think we will rebound. We will see rates at three to four percent likely. It's just the timeline of how long it'll take for the dust to settle. Mm-hmm. That is the unknown variable, which makes it very challenging. Like when we're talking to our clients that are moving or not moving, the ones that are trying to do it right now, it's really challenging. But anyone say a month, two months out, I think we're all going to be looking back on this and and we're going to be able to move forward. Exactly. Yep. Do you got kind of, you know, your opinion to keep going, Jesse, of what you think um, you're going to see, especially in the, is the housing market with houses? Yeah, I mean, it's really this weekend is going to be a really, really good indication just because, like mm-hmm. I said, last weekend, it still was very unknown here right. and everything was up in the air. And like we had crazy amounts of people at the open houses. Um, when you get outside, you don't really still, you don't feel the vibe that there's really, it's just, the, you don't feel a vibe like anything's going on. It just feels awkward inside and you go outside and everything seems normal again. So, um, I really want to circle back on this on Monday, mm-hmm. uh, without giving my two cents of like where I think it's going, because I, I, d- I definitely think we're going to see less people out shopping, but when it was flooded the last couple of weeks, it's actually going to be good for buyers. Yeah. And it's beautiful here, by the way, the weather is like. Yeah, it's primo. Yeah, it's like mid sixties. Everyone there's, there's toilet paper at Costco. They restock so, the TP. Yeah, we got TP. We got sunshine. We got brewskis. Um, the, the only thing we can do is, you know, this is definitely out of our hands and our control, so we can just kind of um, keep pushing on, and we're going to continue to update you guys with everything that we know um, going forward. So, you know, follow us going live next week a bunch. Obviously, if they shut down this, we we do have. Um, ways of going live to continue to spread our message and what's going on here in the Portland Metro. Yeah. O- only way to uh, find that out though, and, and listen to us is to subscribe, click the bell. So you're notified. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah. One thing I'll note too is, um, you know, this isn't anything new for us. This is like, this actually plays like right into the type of services we provide, but you know, everything that we can provide, whether it's um, showing houses like through uh, FaceTime doing a mobile do- mobile notary where we get someone to come and sign your docs for you. All of our documents are uh, initially for contracts are signed electronically. Um, we can do buyer consultations, seller consultations, all via Zoom, which is a video uh, conferencing system. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. We schedule all inspections, all repairs, everything. So essentially we could sell you a house and represent you as a buyer and never even, um, you know, get you would never even have to go to the house once, or even meet the person, in, you know, in front of us until uh, the day of closing when you actually have to sign uh, wet docs. Yeah, and a lot of the counties here e filing. So yeah. Multnomah County, Marion, Clackamas, Washington. <clears throat> so, all right, this is the heart of our business. We got a question. Thank you, Melissa, for asking, and it really um, hinges off and bounces off what we were just talking about. So we are able to do this, you know. Um, from the comfort of your home, wherever you're at. But if you are planning a move, you know, like this question from Melissa is, you know, if someone was planning an out-of-state move at one point of the process, would you recommend someone reaching out to learn more about home buying in the area? Yeah, I would definitely. It doesn't matter uh, if you're one year out, one month out, or one decade out. The thing that we like to do is always stay in communication with our clients and get a good feeling for like where you're at with like, you know, credit um, you know, financial situation, because if say you're two years out and say you need to, you know, you're at a 660 credit score, but we know getting over 700 can get you in a way better position and having a certain amount of money down. We want to at least give you the education to know that these options are available to get you in the best position, because over the course of time, they can save you a significant amount of money. And the thing that I like to do as well is, you know, if somebody tells me they, you know, are looking to buy a house under 400, 
we set them up on a search of all the houses under 400 so they can kind of get a feeling for what areas they can afford specific homes under that 400 mark. So therefore, when they when you do get to the chance to move out here, you kind of know uh, what you're going to get in certain markets. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And also, like we've seen people shift their preferences mm-hmm. from multiple meetings, hearing from all of us, Heather, you, Jackson, myself on the different areas. Um, and I would have you said that really well. But we're I would say we're a relationship based team. Yeah. And when you're moving and relocating, whether it's across the country or from just from California, trust is a big thing. So the more that we can just have those short calls, those touch bases, those get to know each other's, the trust level just increases on both sides. We get to know what your preferences are with communication, what you're looking for for in a house, what your financial goals are. So just going back to help start a relationship it's never too late yeah and even like people like looking for jobs or maybe you need a job networking and, yeah, yeah networking's huge and uh even you know if you need a listing agent down in your city you know or a referral for anything like don't ever like we're one-stop shop like that's our motto is uh you know we're we try to be a one-stop shop team so we try to have connections with everything that you would ever need and you know you'd be surprised what you know maybe we have to offer or what kind of things come about in these conversations so to really sum that up, it's never too early. We have people who reach out to us really far in advance. And some of those people will reach out and say, hey, I, I think I'm moving there in about a month or two. And it turns out to be a year. And then people reach out and they say, hey, I'm about a year out. And that turns to be about a month. So um, with that being said, it's never too early. And there is no uh, you know, credit polls or nothing hardcore. It's just conversations with with uh, your eyes, ears, and boots on the ground, your, your team here. So um, our, our uh Number's always down below. You can shoot us a, a text, call, whatever, however you want to get a hold of us. Um, I don't see any other questions that, that came up. Do either one of you kind of got anything you want to? I wanted to give a shout-out to my send them. my boy, uh, Stephen. I don't know if I can say his last name, but Stephen and his wife, we closed today. Boom, boom, boom. Awesome. Yeah. That was just fantastic. From, like, first Zoom call to keys in hand, super fun, and thank you for uh, trusting us. Yeah, VA loan. Okay, here we go. One came in. With regards to financing with the bigger banks, what's the number one mistake first-time homebuyers make? Who wants it? Teed up. There it is. I think one perception, too, with the big banks and even jumbo. Uh, what were The question was related to big banks and large ones? Nope. Uh, bigger banks and uh, first-time homebuyers. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's nothing. I mean, the bigger banks... I'm trying to be very polite. Yeah, and, and I guess just like things they need to watch for. Yeah, what, things yeah. to watch for. So the process is going to be less tailored. So most people at an FDIC-insured bank do not need an NMLS license. They're actually sponsored by um, the bank itself. So they haven't been through the training. They haven't passed the NMLS test um, most of the time. You'll see in their email signature. So there's a, a certain level of education. Uh, additionally, they're having to do a high level of applications and process through. So if you do need um, flexibility when it comes to advisement, say after five o'clock, which most people only have mm-hmm. unless they're stuck in their house, um, you need to be spoken to on the weekends, which is when people are putting in offers on homes. Uh, you need run numbers. You need to know exactly now. Um, Larger banks, typically, they're going to have that window of nine to five. And the larger banks are great for a lot of different sense. Like, they have a lot of great products out there. They have very um, great rates. However, you're working in the river of the business system for the most part. Additionally, lastly, 
They, I won't cut you off, bro. They I don't. Got, they you. don't hustle up when it gets to closing the loan. Yeah, you get thrown in the river and you're gone. And they yeah. say, "I'll see you at the finish line." But no one can get a hold of it. I think uh, those are all great points of why. I'm gonna get hate mail. Should use uh, Addison, but uh, I think one of the questions of that question was, <laughs> "What is the, a mistake a first-time home buyer can make?" Yeah. Oh, what is a mistake? Yeah. Like. I think one of the biggest mistakes is the myth that you can't run your credit with multiple people. Yep. Um, I would say. Also, there's a lot more flexibility with. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. You take it. I'm getting all heated up. I'm getting all heated up. <laughs> I'll, I'll say some things that I've seen destroy deals from first time home buyers. There we go. Let's get into it. One, buying a car right, be, right in the middle of closing. You get your loan accepted. Someone gets excited. They buy a car. Bam can't close a deal. Uh, they stop paying their credit card bills. That's a freaking huge mistake. They uh, start pulling out credit cards or uh, getting furniture on credit. Essentially, whatever you're doing when we talk to you and we get the deal accepted, just keep doing the same thing. Just keep everything par as the course, stay clean for 30 days. And let's <laughs> I thought the question was the, the something to do with banks. It said, what is a mistake? That first time. Jackson, pull it back up. Pull it yeah, back. I would need a redraw. Okay, and while I'm pulling Re-shuffle. back up, I will actually, because it does cover it, and he said thanks because it, it did answer it. Yeah, that's um, why I said there was two parts of the question. Oh, got it. You, you make a huge point with the auto thing. I see that a lot, overextending on auto auto loans. Yeah, and it was just, um, you know, kind of with regards to financing with bigger banks, what's the number one mistake first-time home buyers make? And so also um, not being on a 0% interest credit card while you're trying to save. Yep. But, yeah, to round that all out, um, First time home buyers, honestly, and this is because, you know, I was there, you guys have been there. That's when you like need the most help. That's when you need the team touch. You know, if you've bought three, four or five houses, you understand the process from closing um, at the end to literally talking to the lender at the beginning. So everything in between you're kind of familiar with, but at the beginning of it, there is a lot of moving parts. There's a lot that this dude over here is doing and this dude and, you know, our real estate team, everybody is a lot of moving parts. So, um, you know, as a first time home buyer, man, getting all that information and having people available is super important. Here, here's the thing that I'll say is I would say 90% of our lo- deals are written over the weekend. Mm-hmm. 75% of that 90% is written on Sunday. Let me tell you who's not working on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. It's someone that works for a federal bank. So, you guys don't even know how many times Addison has to step up and, and clean up house because all of a sudden, you know, our client's uh, lender isn't available on a Sunday to write a pre-approval letter or talk to the listing agent. And I don't mind using anyone. And we talk about that all the time. Hey, you know, we want you to use who you're comfortable with. Right. But I just need to, I need to uh, have the conversation and build a relationship with that lender. And I just tell them from the very beginning, hey, uh, as long as you're available to write an offer and represent my client, our client to the fullest extent possible on a weekend. That's what we need, you know? And I will say that we actually have had lenders tell us that they're unavailable until Monday morning and offers are due on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then we do the, buy- the buyers are in tears crying because they can't get an offer out. And, and it's they their missed dream the home. Yeah, exactly. And it's super sad. So I would also add to the closing costs yeah. because first time home buyers a lot of the times have not been properly educated on how to digest a loan estimate and what the closing costs are. 
a really great example. Yeah, don't let They're all raid driven. So many times they go in and the loan officer is like, great, yeah, my, I can get you in at 3.25. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be butter and nice. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Jesse takes a look at it. Uh, did you realize they're charging you $9,000 in discount points? Was that not? I don't have nine grand. No, no, no. And then they're like, what's a discount point? Yeah. Like those are things that we go through and it's unfortunate that happens out there, but getting a proper breakdown of how those work. Um, I, I see that as a mistake. I didn't know. Like when we bought our first place, I didn't know I wasn't in the industry. I had a client tell me they were getting a, a massive, they were getting a great rate on a house. And then they, and then I, they said, Oh, I go, well, how much are you putting down? They're like 3% cause we're getting their pre-approval letter to go out shopping. And then I looked at it and, uh, so they're putting 3% down on a, like a $350,000 house and the, the cash to close was over 30,000 bucks. So they were bringing, they were charging them 20 grand for closing costs. On top. Oh, yeah. I was just like, That's I was, crazy. I literally like was freaking out. And like, I don't know how some people sleep at night knowing that they're deceiving people. Exactly. So that's one thing. That's a good question. How much are like, if somebody was to buy a, a 10, uh, say a $400,000 house here, how much would their closing cost traditionally be around? Yeah. The way without, I like to, without buying any rates down. Yeah. Trying to break. So I try to break it down into a digestible two bucket explanation, one bucket costs associated with the loan. So those include underwriting appraisal fees, title, county transfer, any of those tax that are associated with the loan. The secondary bucket would be your prepaids, which it goes into your escrow account. The easiest way to remember it is typically one year. Typically it's a little bit variable. One year of property taxes and insurance up front, plus those loan associated fees. So it's typically about thirty five hundred to four grand for the fees, and then if you're looking at listings set up by these guys, you look at the annual amount of taxes. Of taxes, add those two together, a little more for the year insurance. So you're seeing seven to nine thousand dollars on, you know, on average. Yep. Yeah. So right the, there. Yeah. My rate of th- my rule of thumb is I always assume that it's going to be at around ten the most. Yeah. Or, you know, if it's a luxury house, it's obviously going to be more. But, like, yeah, that's usually a good baseline. The taxes is the big one. And when we bought a home, my wife and I had no idea what what this was all about. So we'd ask, like, hey, how much is this house than this house, right? And be like, the closing costs are, you know, 11000 on this property and 7000 on this one. And yeah. I thought the guy was scamming me. Yep. I thought the guy was scamming me, but it was property tax. What if it's a condo? Do they have to prepay HOA fees up front? It depends on the HOA. I haven't seen one in a really long time, but there are two fees. Um, not a lot of people know, and sometimes loan officers neglect to disclose them yep. on the initial estimate. It's the condo cert fee and any HOA transfer tax, which is never identified until you're in contract anyways. It's usually like 150 bucks and 400 for the cert. But, so, but if they do collect fees up front, then usually that's going to be an additional, say if it's 300 bucks a month, $3,600 at closing. Yeah. Yeah. And something that probably doesn't need to be um, said, but that you, that can go on to the loan, Addy, the closing cost. I mean, we're opening up an <clears throat> entirely different subject line of everyone says like, I want to finance in the closing costs. And they think that it's like a secondary loan. So for easy math, like say it's 10 grand is your closing cost. They literally think that they're, able to take another loan for $10,000 and finance it in. The only way to quote the action is called rolling in your closing costs is to have the seller in return give you credit, which you can apply toward your closing costs. So an example is say a house is listed, I'll use try to use easy math, 400 grand. 
they're asking $400,000 and you want to give a full price offer, but you need $10,000 in, in credit toward your closing costs so that you only bring in your down payment. You would, to give them that full net offer, you would need to offer 410 and have the sellers give in return 10 grand toward your closing and they would net 400, the original asking price. Mm. So that's rolling in the closing costs. That's the term used financing and that's actually the exchange the sellers are paying them for you and off the agreed upon sales price jesse is that in, in a market like ours are you seeing that on some of the offers oh yeah almost like 100 percent of them i see that in the offers and if the house has been on the market for a couple of weeks you know i usually am able to negotiate at least the uh seller to pay closing costs but I will say if it's like multiple offer situation, we need to have the offer looking as clean as possible. Right. So that means, you know, we're not going to ask for closing costs. Typically, you have to write it a little bit over, tighten up contingencies. I have a, I have a list of items that I can give my uh, buyers that actually shows you how to, like, one, what are how, how are the offers actually ranked in ascending order from greatest to worst? And then also, what can you do to strengthen your offer? Mm -hmm. You have a really nice system too of communicating with the sellers mm -hmm. and working out a lot of the back and forth that maybe some other junior agents might get to multiple offers or back and forth addendums like you're excellent at getting on the phone, talking to that listing yeah. agent, like, hey, where do we need to be at and kind of navigating through. It's just like anything else in life, man. It's communication is key. And I try to, even if they're not reviewing offers until say Monday at five, like I'm still in consistent communication over the entire weekend. You know, even if we submit the offer on say Friday. Because mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen. They might all of a sudden decide that they're going to review offers on Saturday at 9 p.m. And they're not telling anyone because at the end of the day, you know, they're the ones with the power and they have all the offers. So when going back to the closing cost thing real quick, and the reason why I want to pe people want to do it is because 10 grand is a lot of money yeah. in that example. So we'd rather you be liquid. So mm -hmm. the, the general rule of thumb is 10 grand moves the needle usually on a 30 year fix about $50. Yeah. Rather have the 10 grand. 50 bones. All right, guys. Um, I haven't seen any other questions roll through. We've been going a good 40 minutes. Um, again, we invite anybody to ask any questions literally about anything. Portland what about Oregon. you, Jackson? How's it going with kids and the schools? And you're Dude. the one with a, with all the kiddos. So we got, we got kids running around. Hank's been chopping it up in the studio and that is the one thing. Yeah. Schools are shut down. I think that's basically nationwide, but I'm mm -hmm. um, here over a month, but they sent home. I love the Oregon school districts, man. They, they already within three days sent, us uh, uh, homeschooling curriculum so they're going to have structure every single day so for parents it's a big deal because you, you're trying to scramble to figure out what to do with these kiddos every yeah. day every, everyone needs a world campus like we do yeah that's through, right uh, yeah. through uh virabella <laughs> i'm gonna give them a free shout out um, not a sponsor yet <laughs> so we appreciate everybody's time here and that's what we're doing we're going to be uh, going live as much as we can and keeping you guys up to date if you're catching this afterwards uh, and you aren't a subscriber yet, or you're watching this right now, we're literally doing so many videos. We got a bunch of them coming out here real soon. Uh, that's going to help you, um, you know, figure out your perfect area, figure out what it's like to live here and everything else. So make sure you tap that subscribe button, click the little bell. So you're notified every time we go live and do new videos. And again, here's our number down below. Shoot us a text call day, nights, weekends. We literally never stop working. Um, so reach out to us and we, we got your back when moving to the Portland Metro. Um, I don't see any other questions. So, guys, I think that wraps it up for this Friday. We will catch all of you later. See ya. Brewski time. <laughs>